Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. My name is Mickey. I'm a worship arts coordinator at Baylife Church. And I'm Travis, and I'm the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And we want to welcome you to the Stone Table. Welcome to season two of the Stone Table. Hey guys, season two, season two, two. two. season. T- are we gonna? Sorry, we're we starting to chant. Oh, well, I just did. Okay, yeah. I mean, it kinda, it kinda, <laughs> it's worth yeah. chanting. I'm sure somebody listening somewhere joined you in. Yeah, the chant. yes. Man, it's so the moment we've all been waiting for. Season two. We took a couple months off to line up some new guests and and do a little bit of prep work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot has changed in, in two months. Yeah. Well, first of all, you guys might notice the new logo. I feel like we need to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the logo is something I'm super proud of. Yeah. I spent many an hour editing uh, <laughs> in Canva. Canvas. Yeah. Cam- which Canva. one is the one for it's school? Canva. Canva. Yeah. <laughs> I did the not academic yeah, website. Yeah. Canvas the, is the, the, the app one. for school. <laughs> so many an hour on Canva were spent uh, creating the new logo. Yeah. We've been lining up some really cool guests. And, and a lot of other things have changed, too. I don't know if you know this. I think I woke you up in the middle of the night. I'm sure you did. To tell you that Chris Tomlin released a country record. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So that's happened in our absence as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, it doesn't do a ton for me because I'm not a country fan. I know Tom Eichem, our executive pastor, (laughs) loves country. So I'm sure this is is the, the collaboration he's been waiting for. I know you kind of love country. No, no, I don't. I don't. You know... So when I first moved to this country, I was four years old when I moved from Argentina. And so one of the ways that my parents learned English and I along with them, because we would listen to the radio in the car, they would just turn on the radio to random stations. Sure. Yeah. And the the one that they landed on most of the time was a country music radio station. Yeah. So they, I don't know, they just liked the way that the hosts talked to one another okay. and they liked the music. And so yeah. I grew up listening to country music music sure yeah. not by not by choice right but you but know you've got a soft spot in your heart for it <sighs> i guess you, i mean you know way more country songs yeah than, than somebody who doesn't like country so i like the classics you know i sure. like i like the oldies i like you know the st- i like johnny cash yeah johnny cash is good i like merle haggard Okay. Yeah. And if we're talking like contemporary, I really liked Shania Twain. Okay. She was great. Loved her. And stuff like that, I can recognize when I hear it out and about, like a song will come on, a country song, and I'm like, oh, if it was from the like 2000, early 2000s era, I can probably... So, figure it out. So then as the, the resident stone table expert on country music, no, you're going to have to don't do a, call me that. a full review <laughs> of the, the Chris Tomlin country collab. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, so we don't have lined up on the show Chris Tomlin. No. Um, but we do have, actually, that would be really cool. I would love to be able to talk to Chris Tomlin. That'd be kind of fun, if though. If you're listening, Chris, we would love for you to join us yes. at some point. Uh, but we do have some really exciting guests this season, people who we have just been so so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to, to mm-hmm. interact with. And the first one for our first episode is Kina Aragon. Kina Aragon is incredible, and she is one of Tampa's very own. So we are super excited to be releasing this episode today uh, because we had just such a great talk with her about her new book, Love Made. Yes, 
And if you're unfamiliar with Kina, Kina is the assistant editor and the administrative assistant for women's initiatives at the Gospel Coalition. She's also a spoken word artist. Yes. So if you look Kina up, she's got all sorts of spoken word poetry that she does. And she's an author and yep. has written and a quite a bit. Yeah. She is incredible. She is a, an amazing uh, just author and poet. And I actually got the chance to see her uh, perform live a couple years ago. I mentioned it in the interview, but man, it was so powerful. She did yeah, a spoken word. Great. Just a, a presentation at Arise City Summit mm. in 2018, which was an incredible summit, by the way. Yeah. It was put on by... Um, Her church. A, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Living and Faith Bible Fellowship. Yes. And the, city, yeah. um, the Gospel Coalition was one of the sponsors. So oh, that's awesome. There were so many amazing people there. Uh, but Kina is, um, along with her husband, she actually also has a website called Designed Marriage. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so yeah. she and her husband put out resources uh, to strengthen marriages and, and a lot of testimonies on there. So she is just a really gifted writer. And she's got so many resources out there yeah. uh, for uh, marriages, for uh, single people, for all sorts of people all over the spectrum uh, to come and really get to know the Lord uh, mm, through yeah. the work that she does. So, yeah, Kina's uh, a rock star, man. She's, yes. she's really kind of doing it all. But to, today yeah. we're specifically talking with her about her children's book called Love Made. Yes. Which is incredible. It, it, it's, a, it's a book about creation and the Trinity and helping mm-hmm. both parents and kids understand creation through the lens of God's Trinitarian love. Mm. And I, I mean, we read this book together and you yeah. can read it pretty quickly yeah. if you're an adult reading it. Yeah, and, and for it, sure. But it's amazing. I, I feel like even as someone without kids, I feel like I learned and I grew just reading this book and, and seeing this fresh take on oh, yeah. God's love for us. And it really is such a fresh take. It, it's something that we've read over and over again, the story of creation. But when we're reading it through this Trinitarian lens, we really see how God created the world out of just an abundance of love and that he desires us. And Mm -hmm. he really has formed us in his image. And so I want to encourage you guys, even if you are not a parent, go and buy this book. Yeah, it's so good. Amazing. I'm not going to lie. I cried when I read it for the first time. You wept. I did. And I'm not a parent. Um, But just uh, seeing what a great, uh, book this is and what a really good tool and resource it is for parents who are trying to teach their children about these somewhat you know complicated theological yeah, topics, yeah yeah and really putting it on paper in such a beautiful way yeah that uh, even a child could understand yeah. uh, the love of God through his creation uh, was just amazing to me and mm-hmm. it's the sort of thing that gets me really excited about parenthood yeah uh, knowing that there are things out there like Kina's book love made that uh, just really aid parents in their discipleship to absolutely their kids. yeah so I would say if, if you're tuning into this episode and you don't don't have kids, stick around because there's something in this for you as well. I think that Kina's approach and her take is exciting. It's historically faithful. It's Mm -hmm. grounded in scripture and it's so, so insightful. So we are so excited for you to hear our conversation with Kina Aragon about her book, Love Made. Well, hey, Kina, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. We're excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So um, normally when we have uh, guests on the show, they tend to be from out of town. And so we ask them for their recommendations. So, uh, you know, if they're from Atlanta or if they're from Houston, what's the best restaurants? What's the must-see places? But this is kind of unique in that we all live in the same city. We're all in Tampa. (laughs) 
And, uh, and so I, I feel like that actually might make this question more interesting because it, it may prompt a debate. So, um, <laughs> nice. so for you as a fellow citizen of Tampa, what are the must see places when quarantine is over and people can move about the country? What are the places you have to go? Oh, I mean, we're just always at the beach. So, mm, I mean, it's okay. not te- technically Tampa. I mean, everyone would, of course, say City Walk if you're going to be right. in Tampa. That's always great uh, downtown. Uh, but we we love the Sarasota beaches the most. Mm, okay. Uh, so, you know, it's only like, what, an hour, hour and a half drive south. Mm-hmm. Um, so any of those. We actually did our honeymoon there uh, and just visited, like, all the beaches on that on that coast. Oh, how so. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. We are not far from beaches, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're, nope. I, I can't say I'm a huge beach person, yeah. but you Travis know, is not. it's growing on me. Marriage, <laughs> marriage is sanctifying me in that. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So did you grow up in Tampa or did you move here? Um, we just were curious uh, if you had been around the area for a long time or not. Yeah. I've been around for a little while. I came here to to go to college at USF and 07 okay. so it's been like 13 years before I was raised in Orlando uh and born in the Philippines but most of my life was in Orlando um gotcha. so pretty pretty similar okay cool, cool. What, I'm curious what did you major in at USF because I was there hey, right around the same time as you yeah we both went oh to really USF. Yeah. oh okay yeah I went to um, 2008 so a year oh, behind nice. you yeah Okay. Um, yeah, I, I majored in communication, so I had the mm. emphasis inter, interpersonal and organizational. Cool. Mm. Travis yeah. was a religions. Yeah, religious studies. So <laughs> I was in the building with the subway in it. So all my classes just uh, smelled like subway subway all the time. Yes, I remember that. I'm surprised we didn't cross paths at any point. Yeah, we very well might have. It's who, possible. Who knows? Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to anything in college. I was just <laughs> go to class, come home. I didn't talk to anyone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so Kina, I wanted to say, I, I actually saw you perform in 2018 at a rise city summit. You did the spoken word at, um, I think it's called the slaughter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so good. That was the first time I've ever seen that performed. I've never seen a spoken word perform live. And so I went in 2018 with my best friend and her husband, and we were just so moved by your performance and by the the summit as a whole. I mean, it was incredible. It was, it was just amazing. And we loved all of it. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to ask, so we're going to start getting into, uh, what you do. And so I wanted to know, how did you get involved with poetry and specifically spoken word? I was, I'm just so curious as to how you discovered that and, and how did you, uh, become involved with that? Well, it all, Really, for me, it was when I came to know the Lord. Um, I was 16. I was a junior in high school, and a girl shared the gospel with me. Um, and it was really as I began to grow my relationship with the Lord, I would journal, and it would kind of come out as poetry. And really, prior to that, I had zero talent in creative writing. <laughs> I loved academic writing and mm-hmm. presentations and things of that nature, but anything creative, I just wasn't any good at. So <clears throat> I, I really do attribute it to like just growing in the Lord. And, um, that's why I try to use that gift for him, you know, mm. to proclaim him. And, um, it was through a, an English teacher in the high school that got me into spoken word. She encouraged, she was putting together a poetry slam. So I can't oh, cool. remember how she knew I, I was writing poetry at that point, uh, but somehow she knew and she encouraged me to memorize it and, and perform it. Um, and wow. so as, as I saw that go well, I kind of was encouraged to keep going. 
Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll be honest. As far as sort of mediums of art, that's one I'm not. I'm not super familiar with. I couldn't tell you who some of the more like prominent spoken word artists are, but um, but I have been looking at some of the stuff that you've put out, and it, it really is incredible. Uh, and you you certainly have a gift for it. And and I think that shines through in this uh, children's book that you've written, Love Made, which. Uh, I'm I'm just so interested to hear the story behind this book. Uh, my understanding is that it started as a poem. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process of of putting this together? Well, that one was really special because I didn't set out to create a children's book any mm. at all. Um, I was pregnant with our daughter, um, and she came a little earlier than we would have planned, uh, <laughs> in our marriage. <laughs> and so she was a surprise and I had a hard time in the beginning of the pregnancy, just accepting that, um, Oh wow, I'm a mom now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had some health scares where I thought we were, you know, losing her and by God's grace we didn't. Mm. And so the Lord kind of used those health scares to like help mm. me realize, Oh no, this is, this is truly a gift and a privilege. Um, and so this was later on in the pregnancy and I had a just spent some time in prayer, uh, in the morning. And this is, well, this is, this part's not so unique in that a lot of poems do come out of just time with the Lord and prayer and his word. But, um, I was just spending time in prayer, thanking God for my daughter and, um, out came this poem after Mm. I prayed. So I just, the, the, the sentiments in the poem were, essentially what I was praying. Um, but so it came out poetically. Um, and I happened to have a friend that was pregnant at the same time. And she had asked me like a month or so before, would I be willing to do a poem on childhood or children Mm -hmm. at her baby shower? And I told her no, because I didn't have anything of that sort at that point. And I wrote that poem the same day as her baby shower. So I texted her, I was like, I could read it yeah. if you want me to. <laughs> yeah. um, and when I went to, it was special to me, just like in my journal special to me, because I was, you know, it was just, yeah, it was a beautiful time with the Lord. And I didn't know it would impact people. When I read it, I just looked up and everybody's crying and Aww. so many people can't. <laughs> so so I, I think at that point I was like, oh, this might, this might be worth um, sharing with the world. And mm. from there I, I, hit up my friend, um, Chris powers. He does this ministry called full of eyes Mm. and he creates these animation videos usually to like, uh, praise and worship songs Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so I had worked with him before doing voiceovers for him, but I asked him, would you be interested in, um, creating a video with me for this? So he created this beautiful animation video. Mm. Um, and then that animation video got picked up by the gospel coalition, mm. um, who, who then, you know, did an article on it. And then from there got picked up from by a literary agent who I didn't know, but reached out to me. Wow. Um, and that was just unreal. Cause I had prayed the beginning of that year. I think it was like 2017. I had prayed around new year's time, mm-hmm. you know, God, would you help me to get into children's literature? Just not like, I didn't expect to like get a book deal or anything. I just was like, I would be interested in yeah. trying out that, that avenue of expression. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, that happened. So, wow. That's an incredible story. Yeah. yeah. That uh, is so cool. And I think the, the experience that, that your, your friends had at the baby shower kind of mirrors ours a little bit and reading it for the first time. So I'll tell you when I read your, for your, the book for the first time, I cried, especially at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, when there's a, it's a picture of your family 
I cried. Yeah. I couldn't help it. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> and and we're not parents yet, um, but I don't know. I feel like we are very drawn to uh, resources for families mm-hmm. and um, uh, just ways to disciple children. A lot of the families at our church have children. And so our congregation is made up of a lot of families. And so we're definitely drawn to that area. And so upon reading the, the love made book, I was like, this is beautiful. Number one for the, the people in our church, they're going to love it. And also for us, I mean, this is such a good resource for when we're when we're parents, yeah, you know, in the sure. future. Yeah, I think you said uh, this is going in our kids' library. This is the first book. Yeah. So yes, I was like, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna start a library, and this is the first one. Yeah. So I love that. That's super encouraging because um, it kind of just shows, you know, because a lot of the book is really just explaining the Trinity. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And talking about the the act of creation as this overflow of love within the Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, that God is love. And that means he has to exist in, in community, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, and yet it, within you, unity within himself. So that, I mean, that's just mind blowing. And mm-hmm. I think you don't, ha- you don't have to have children to be blown away by that right. uh, truth, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's super encouraging that you guys, uh, were, were helped by that. When I was single, um, and before I had kids, before I was married, uh, the Jesus storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd Jones. Mm -hmm. I remember reading that for the (laughs) first time. And when she talks about the story of Noah, I'm just sitting there crying and I'm like, (laughs) I need this book. I don't care if I don't have kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the experience that I had with this. Um, and like you said, it begins with the Trinity. And so that was such a big deal to us. And, and children's books don't normally start with the Trinity. Or talk about the Trinity Or at ever all. really yeah. talk about it, <laughs> yeah. right? So we're going to go ahead and ask what, what prompted you to start there? You know, why do you think it's so important to introduce kids to a concept like that at such a young age? Yeah, I mean, I think when a kid asks you a question, about the Bible, about who God is. It's you, you've read, you know, 10 books on the topic, but then a kid asks you and you're like, so God, <laughs> is, how um, do I explain? Like yeah. I, I'm running into that right now. My daughter's yeah. four and she's, you know, we're, we go through the Jesus storybook Bible. So she's like, she doesn't really understand death. So I'm like, how mm. do I explain? And she's asked yesterday, why, why did Jesus die on the cross? I'm like, so I'm trying to use language that she knows. She mm-hmm. knows that she gets a consequence when she um, acts right. out. And so I said, Jesus took your consequence that, mm. you know, and she, I, you know, I still think it's sort of <laughs> going over her head. So anyways, yeah. all of that to say, I think when, when you know some sort of biblical truth or anything really to, to be able to explain it to kids, um, that challenge allows for you to, to really grasp it better yourself. Mm. Um and of course, it's important to, you know, to teach all the things to the kids right. um, about God because it it's important for them to know. And it's such a beautiful, a beautiful truth that I want, I want her to be able to see it as a delightful thing to learn about God, that this, this little simple way of explaining the Trinity, um, that's going to be something, Lord willing, that she studies and looks into and ponders and rejoices in for the rest of her life. Mm. in perhaps deep, deeper ways than right now.
one of the things I love that you highlight is, you know, because God is uh, complete and perfect and delights in himself, he, he doesn't create the world out of any sort of a need. And he, or loneliness. He do, or loneliness. And, and I think, man, that's if, if kids can grasp that, they're already in a better place than most adults. Mm. Uh, because I think most adults, when they think of creation, think, well, God was sad by himself. And so, you know, he needed friends to, to hang out with. And mm-hmm. it's not, I don't think it's intentionally malicious, but I, but I feel like even grown people communicate God's desire for creation in, in those sort of ways. So how do you think it, it helps shape uh, kids' imagination to, to understand that God doesn't create us because he needs us, but because he, he wants us? Right. Yeah. And I think some people might hear that truth of, you know, God's self-sufficiency and sort of be offended by it or feel like we should shield our children from it. But it's, it's really a beautiful thing because that means when he created you, he meant to do that because he wanted to show you his love. I think Mm. going, you know, going forward to John 17, when, when Jesus talks about that special union he's had with the father um, that he's been by the father's side for all eternity. And that those who are trusting in Christ are being sort of enveloped into that union that's existed forever, that the love of the father that he has for the son is Mm -hmm. the same love he has for those who are in Christ. So I just think that fact alone um, makes it important for us to clearly communicate um, what's what the Bible says is, is true, that God doesn't, need us Mm. to fulfill any sort of lack in him, but that he loves to make us and loves to save us uh, and bring us into his family. And I don't think that that diminishes our worth. I think if anything, it elevates it. Mm. Um, And I want, I want children and adults to feel that I am loved by God so much Mm. that even when he didn't need me, yeah. He still chose me. He still made me. And of course it elevates really the worth, ultimately the worth of God, because you don't want a, a God who has some sort of deficiency. Right. I don't want to serve a God that, that lacks. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if God yeah. is dependent on me, that's terrifying because I can't even trust myself. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that concept, like you said, it it just increases the value that we find our, in ourselves when we are when we know that we're made in God's image. And so, um, I think that that's really important for children and, and adults alike in a in a world and a culture that will tell you otherwise. You know, there are so many things that our kids are running into. Um, and being told yeah there's there's all these different like standards to measure right. our worth and our value by and and that was something else we appreciated is that you brought Definitely. out this idea of being made in the image of god mm-hmm. um and how important and how significant that is and uh yeah I, I just wonder if you could speak to that as well for for kids how do how do we use well, use is probably not the right word but how do we help them understand this concept and and how does that help guard them against some of the cultural lies that they're going to encounter i mean especially for for people of color um who who have experienced historically being seen as less than human uh subhuman um so 
I think in general, it's important for us to understand the Imago Dei being made in the image of mm. God so that we are not trying to find our worth in our accomplishments and our success and our wealth and our recognition or anything like that. Um, but explaining the image of God to children that you were meant to reflect God and you were meant to be an extension of his leadership over the earth, uh, in his lordship, um, over the earth that you're, you were meant to be like, you know, the King in ancient Near Eastern time would mm-hmm. have little statues or big statues of himself, um, in the, in his, his territory to mark, this is my land. I have authority and I'm, I'm providing protection over this land. And, and we're like those little statues, yeah. um, of God, an extension of, of his dominion and, his care and his protection over Mm. creation. So there's so many reasons why the Imago Dei is important Mm. um, to, to really emphasize uh, so that when the world tells us we're less than for X, Y, and Z reasons, or when the world tells us we're gods and goddesses and, and we should be at the center of all Mm. things. Mm. um, It, it brings us back. No, I, we're made right. in the image of God. We're not God. Right. Totally. But also we're, we're not subhuman either. We're, we have dignity and value um, mm. by virtue of being made in the image of God. So it kind of protects from both yeah. extremes. Yeah, that's a great totally. point. I haven't thought about it that way before, but in, you know, especially for people of color who are marginalized, it, it elevates their dignity. Yeah. Uh, but then for people who are, especially in our culture where everybody, like you said, everybody sees themselves as a God or a goddess, it also humbles us so that we don't think too highly of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it kind of it keeps us in the center and it's a, it's a centering truth. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, one of the things we wanted to ask you about was the artwork of the book. I mean, it is a beautiful book. It is so brightly colored and the graphics are incredible. So I would love to know the process of developing this with God, uh, Scotty. Right? Yeah, Scotty's his name. Is it? Yep. Reef Snyder. How do you how do you pronounce the last name? Uh, Rife Snyder. Rife Snyder. And I, I hope I'm right. Um, <laughs> I've like I, I messed it up many times. Mm-hmm. He um, did an incredible job. So, and I'm sure you two worked together to make this happen. So, how did you come up with this distinctive look? Yeah. So my publishing company connected me with, with him. They gave okay. me a few different, different options for illustrators. And I immediately was like, I love Scotty's, uh, the way he does it kind of felt like a little bit Pixar-y kind yeah. of yeah. like you're watching a movie or something. Um, so I, I really liked his design. So basically, uh, you, I work with my editor to say, okay, for this spread, this is what I'm thinking. Mm. And he'll take down notes. He'll send it to the illustrator, to Scotty. Um, Scotty will then just do rough sketches in black and white. Mm. Um, and, and I'm sure every illustrator may have a somewhat different process, but this is how it worked for us. And he'll send back some rough sketches. Do you like this? Is this the direction we're thinking before he adds the color and stuff? And then from there, it's really just a back and forth of actually, no, I don't like that. Let's fix this. Or yeah, let's go with that. And then he'll do another round of, of illustrations with color. And then kind of as he's piecing it together, he'll show, uh, which I'm sure is hard as an artist to show like an unfinished work. Right, um, yeah. So I feel, I feel for illustrators, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's, this kind of the back and forth It's it's truly a collaboration. And yeah. there are some things that the illustrator comes up with that I would have never thought too. Actually, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things the illustrator comes up with. And then there are some things that 
came from my mind that he's able to execute because mm. of his mm. uh, gifts. So yeah. I, I, so I wonder cool. like, so for me, when I first started getting tattoos, I would send the concept over to an artist and they would send me back their idea. And I was so like hyper meticulous about it that we'd go through like 30 revisions and then they'd finally just be like, listen, you're getting what you're getting. And <laughs> did you, did you feel that temptation at all? Is this the first book you've published or have so, you gone yeah. through this process before? Nope. Well, this was the first, at that time, it was my first book. So it was, um, I had, my husband had to keep reminding me, this is your book. So if you, if there's any detail that you're like going to regret once mm. it's published, you need to speak up now. And the, the publishing company also emphasized that, like, please speak up, please. Yeah. So thankfully they had that because my sort of natural disposition would be like, you know what? That's okay too. That's fine. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that's me. Um, yeah. So I, thankfully I had people being like, no, 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 no. If, if, are you sure? Take a look. Um, and mm-hmm. I think I've, I've learned that a lot more now. So when we're, ha- I have the second book coming out in February, oh, um, cool. where can we just finish the illustrations on that. And so, uh, it's a different illustrator this time who's also delightful and mm. I can't wait for everyone to see it. But, um, that process, I was a lot more confident this mm. time around. Sure. That's awesome. I was going to ask if you had anything coming up soon. I mean, we would love more of, more yeah. of the work that you do. So yeah. that is great news. <laughs> and I know we've, we've been reading through some of your essays in uh, his testimony, my heritage as well. Yes, and those and those the are poetry. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So Thank I'm, you. I'm working through that devotional right now. Um, everyone on in that book is absolutely incredible and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I got it in the mail a couple, mm-hmm. like a week ago. Yeah. Um, so that's a great work. Awesome. Uh, and I'm so glad that you were contributing in that because, um, the first uh, poem I think that you did in there. Oh, I loved it. So good. Thank you. Yeah, I loved I loved that project and I love the idea behind it. Yes. So cool. So, um, you know, as we kind of work to a close and we're still maybe a a couple steps away from that, um, you know, the thing that we've been thinking about is that your book is such a a great resource for people who want to disciple their kids theologically. Uh, But like you said, if, if you're talking to kids about something like the two natures of Christ or the (laughs) Trinity, that becomes way more difficult even than it is for an adult. So how do, how do parents who want to do this, but are intimidated, how do they get started? What is, what does the process look like to begin to, to train their kids up, especially if they're intimidated? Yeah. I mean, I just, just try to remember there are so many resources. I mean, there's tons of Instagram pages and websites and, but I mean, children's books, I think are, even though everything's more digital nowadays and video and and all of that. And there, there's certainly a place for that, but I think just the value of holding a children's book, flipping the pages, your kid touching the, you know, touching the, the illustrations. And um, I think there's such an intimacy there. And, and so don't feel overly intimidated because there are great books and resources out there that you can start with. And it, it helps you to have the language to communicate in a way mm. that that can be understand, understandable for kids. Mm. Are there sure. any particular resources you'd point people to that would be worthwhile? Obviously, your yeah. book is a great starting point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, feel free to get my book. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think everybody's favorite is Sally Lloyd-Jones. Um Jesus storybook Bible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if you, we, we started reading that to, to JL, our daughter at like six months old. And Aww. of course she didn't understand it. She's like the colors, but, <laughs> um, 
but now she's telling us the stories, you know, as she sees them. So Jesus Storybook Bible, um, there's an Instagram you can follow called Tiny Theologians. Mm. Um, that one's really cool. She has a ton of resources, little little cards for scripture memory. It, te- it literally teaches theology. She has tons wow. of resources on that. Um, so Tiny Theologians, uh, my, my publishing company, Harvest House, well, not mine, but the publishing company I'm part of, mm-hmm. um, Har- Harvest House, they have Harvest Kids. So tons of uh, resources there. So yeah. That's, That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, maybe the, the last thing that I'd be interested to know is you said you've got another book coming out. Can you kind of give us a, a sneak peek of, of what you're going to be tackling there? It's Yes. So Love Made talks about the story of creation. So we're going to continue the story uh, of redemptive history. We're going to continue and highlight the Trinity again, um, but tell tell a different story from that angle. Mm, That's awesome. That's great. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be great. Gosh, Kina, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. It's been really cool. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Stone Table. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation with our friend, Kina Aragon. If you enjoy the podcast and you find it helpful, do us a favor and rate, subscribe, and leave a review. That helps us to get the word out. Also, we would love to hear from you. So if you've got questions or topics that you'd like for us to cover on the show, send us an email at thestonetable at baylife.org. For Baylife Church, I'm Travis, and this is The Stone Table.